one. The dog days of August. Is it too much to ask for for a three-day winning streak? We've only had two two-day winning streaks, and, well, we were doing okay today, but now in the red. Got some earnings reports, got some upgrades and some uh, stocks we haven't talked about a lot. We got Ryan Dietrich at 835, Statman Do. He's going to set us up for September. It's Tuesday. We need a three-day winning streak. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're in the red by just about four handles at uh, 4438. We took out yesterday's high, but Europe kind of dragged us down. Uh, the buck over 104, that's not good for the market. That's up nine cents at 104.08. Bonds right at 120, up a couple ticks. Uh, consolidation here in the bonds ahead of the jobs number. Could back up over 80, up 59 cents at 80.68. Gold down 230 at 1944.50. Silver going the opposite way, up a percentage and a half at 24.61. That's 35 cents to the green in Bitcoin. Hanging in here, consolidation, if you've ever seen it here in Bitcoin. I got the futures down 55 bucks at 26,035. Triple D, I mean. Where has the retail trader gone? Where is the pizzazz in this market besides uh, VFS? Ha, huh. it's all just VFS. That's all this market is, is VFS. The <laughs> automotive maker that makes 40,000 cars projected to be worth more than Toyota, which makes 40,000 a day. It's trying to make 40,000 next year. Everything's a joke. But um we're just in, we're in August. We're in the dog days of August. We've talked about the seasonality. This is historically one of the slowest weeks of the year. So you're seeing some moves, but they're, you know, you're, you're kind of just chopping around. There's no conviction in either direction. And I think that's because there's a lot of traders on vacation. So I think it's expected the volatility is going to be a little quieter this week. Yes, we have some earnings which are going to move. We have some individual stock stories as always. But this market, I think expected to be a little bit quiet this week. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, it's uh, I mean, but like you talk about, you know, selling the rip and buying the. I mean, they're really that was that like a super rip yesterday? No, it it really wasn't there, you know. And the dips have been shallow too. So, consolidation station. Uh, let's bring in Money Mitch this morning here, and uh, what, what's catching your eye on this Tuesday morning? Well, we definitely got to be looking into what's going on, at least in retail. We keep getting more and more retail, so we'll take a look at that. But it just seems like tech can't get the rally. Of course, uh, NVIDIA has just been hanging out here. And it just seems like this is the time where I always talk about how uh, a lot of times when the markets go sideways, I feel like institutions don't really get hurt in that action. But retail traders are the ones just getting chopped up in that action. We're seeing it in our live trading. 
I haven't been doing that great either in the last week. And a lot of that is what? These kind of range-bound moves. We're getting expansion on volatility, but it's not really in a trend. It's more just the range going up, down, up, down, up, down. And as as day traders, a lot of times, you're going to get chopped up in that action. I think it's this all about two switching that, styles. Yeah, and it, sorry, what did you say? No, Bill? I was just going to say switching styles, you know? Yeah, you sometimes adapting have Adapting to. to the market. Okay, sorry about well, that. Well, it's the good... It's a good week to really take off. I mean, this is a good week if you're, you know, historically, you know, one of the lower earnings week for weeks for me as well. This whole month, August, is historically a lower earnings month because it's quieter. I, you know, I make my money off of movement, off of volatility. I need stocks to move to make money. I'm not sitting here and, you know, just you know, trading all the. You know, obviously, you trade everything, but. I, you know, for, for me, I'm more of an inefficiency trader, taking advantage of, you know, relationships and different stuff. There's no inefficiencies when the market's not moving, very few. So it's just a slower week. So I think we're, when we get back into September after Labor Day, traders are getting back to the desk, getting back from their vacation. We're going to start seeing conviction in certain directions again. But we're in a battleground. This is a battleground between the bulls and the bears, and it's a serious battleground here again. Back in July, we were massively overbought. We sold off quickly in August and some stocks became oversold and we've bounced a bit off of that now. So now we're back to the battleground. Is you know the market resolve itself lower or higher? NVIDIA really didn't give us a direction. The market was looking for direction off NVIDIA. It didn't give us the continuation of the, of the pop, but it really hasn't sold off that much either. I mean, we're kind of still in the same range in NVIDIA. We were a week prior to the company mm-hmm. reporting. So we're kind of still looking for direction. Is, is you know, like a sales force or a crowd strike going to give the market direction this week? Highly unlikely. Is, you know, a hurricane going to give market direction? Highly unlikely. So like we said, there's individual stock stories, but now Fed speak is done. I just think you don't have, you know, these major catalysts for this market to blast off into orbit or for this market to sell off. But catalysts can come out of the blue too. So um, you obviously still have to watch your news. But I'm still expecting, you know, quiet markets here, at least for the next week. Yeah, well, let's, you know, put it, you know, call it what it is. Jobs number on Friday, potential, not, you know, and then later in in the month, you have the CPI and the PPI, okay? And then also, if you're looking at... But we don't have jobs this Friday. It's next Friday. Yeah, it is. I was wrong, Dennis. It is this Friday. I was wrong. Oh, it is this Friday? It is this Friday. Oh, it is this Friday. I was was wrong. And then, and then also, and I'll start my my rant, uh, the rollover rant a little bit early because your Friday, it's going to be the first. So it's going to be the first Friday. So our quad witch is going to be on the 15th. We're going to have an early quad witch. We're going to have an early rollover. So we got, you know, we got catalysts coming up. We just have to, you know, stay, uh, you know, stay focused and until then. But there are some catalysts for the market coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you stated it, but of course, we got PCE also coming out. And I think that's going to that? really, that's Thursday. Um, it's this Thursday? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so while core PCE and, and that could also change things up tomorrow, uh, GDP uh, estimate the second read so well you got all kinds of stuff economic numbers are mainly the problem is in. the traders aren't at their desk so i think you're going to mute a response unless the pc is a crazy number or we get some type of you know number very much exceeding or very much not hitting expectations i think he's going to be muted responses there too 
Well, let's go to Best Buy in a surprising turn. Best Buy reports a strong Q2 performance with an adjusted EPS of $1.22, beating estimates of $1.06. Their sales of $9.58 billion also surpassed the expected $9.52 billion, while they adjusted their full year 24 guidance, tightening their EPS range and lowering sales expectations. Their resilience shined through even amid challenges, notably their Q2 comparable sales were down with domestic and international sales both being affected these this is not a great report but again best buy maybe expectations were just simply too low because the stock actually was down into the report as well 85 down to 72 in the last six weeks coming or last four weeks coming into this report but comps down 6.2%, domestic comp 6.3%, international down 5.4%, domestic comp online sales down 7.1%. Holy cow, man. This is not the kind of stock I want to invest in when I'm seeing comps like that. Guidance was a little bit light. I mean, I think this is like a pass. It's like the target pass. It was like good oh, enough. Oh, yeah. Look at target now. Exactly. And that's where I'm getting to. It's good enough to like you know bounce it people may be playing at the short side it's good enough to bounce it for a day maybe you know an hour or two i think they pull the rug out from under this thing eventually and i may be wrong you know obviously we're in a slower trade here but i'm not investing in stocks that or in companies where comps are falling 6.2 percent no thank That's you that's huge um i mean target uh they sold the pop and that even a walmart had the good report that's still off its, uh, you know, its recent highs. So good reports and bad reports. Just, uh, you know, there have been sellers out there. It's been a seller's market. Uh, for the best buy, oh, you got to pop into the 77 handle. That was short-lived. Four-day high, 77.57. That's your pre-market high. Keep an eye on that. And if you want to try and buy the dip, I'd look at the top of yesterday's range. It's 74.39. That would be a gap fill for best buy. All right, let's go to PDD. PDD's holding showing its strength with a remarkable Q2, achieving an wow. adjusted EPADS of 144, outperforming the expected 101 here. So good beat there on the EPADS, and we'll see if they can keep up with the recent move that we saw in China, right? We saw a little bit of a lift, um, and I'm keeping an eye out on these plays, especially if we can get more and more stimulus for the economy, uh, the China economy we're talking about. Um, they did also exceed on sales $7.2 billion, exceeding estimates of $6.07. Great report. Often we do see these China companies usually beat. Um, this beat big time here. It's a big pop. It's a stock that's held up very well in comparison yeah, to has. a lot of other Chinese companies here. So I don't know if they're eating others lunch or what it is, but great report here for PDD. I'm not chasing in this environment. Sorry, it's up 10 bucks. I'm not going to be the one that's going to bet it's going up 20. So I'm just not trading it. I think anything over 90 here is gravy. If you uh, took this long into the report or you've been uh, holding on to it because you gap down off, I believe it was off its last earnings report and you're filling that gap right there. You had good support just at 90. Now you popped over 90. Big seller at 92. So I, I look at that. I can't buy this one up 10 and a quarter. Just quietly. It's this back up to much higher. 
This chase. is just not the market to buy any stock up 10%. And sometimes they do continue, but more often than not, it seems like in this earnings season, if you're buying those stocks up 10%, maybe it goes up 12, 13, but when a day or two, they start pulling the rug out again. So it's been the it's been the one to sell the rip and not so much buying the dip on the earnings. So it's been a one-way kind of earnings season here. Expectations have been beaten, but not the investor expectations. And that's why we've seen a lot of stocks go down after the reports and the ones that pop don't seem to hold. So um, it's a great report. It's hard to go short a stock on a report like that because it was really good, but I'm not buying it up here. All right, let's talk about overall China. What do you think also about the other moves that are going off of this? Like uh, Baba, as we talked about it yesterday, now it's back in the 93s. Does this have 100 written all over it? No. Um, maybe. Look at that. Look at that chart. I we're, mean, just in, the, we're just in shop. I mean, if you're it's buying... It's just too uh, choppy, right? Wait 80s, for it to break. The 80s. We talked about this last week. In the yeah. 80s, maybe as a trade. Now you're up in 93. Now you're six bucks up. So you're chasing it a bit now. Does it have room to 100? Could it go to 100? It's done like three, four times. So sure, it could. Um, I think if you're in it, maybe that's your target. I don't think I'm chasing it here, though, either. Yeah. Boy, it's... it's a, Sorry, I'm sorry, Mitch. No, I, that's I, my I, fault. That's my fault. No, because I'm I'm looking at this chart and I, yeah. I like I want to get a number. I want to and and I'm just looking what it's done between ninety and ninety five. You mm -hmm. know, it's just it's just been a a zone of just like slice. You know, went down through that area. I would say I'm gonna look at this and I know we were talking about eighty five to ninety five, but. I'm going to try and narrow the, I mean, or excuse me, 90 to 95. If this thing could ever get a sustained bid above 95, which it looked like it was going to do at the end of July, then you're looking at a rally. But, man, this is just such a, 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 a accordion chart. That's the word that I was looking for. Uh, Baba, uh, up today, we'll see what, how it ends the session. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to note there was the monthly chart on the bottom right, of course, of Joel's. You see there, I yeah. see an inverse head and shoulders there, and it just needs to get above 100 and sustain the bid there above 100. And I think you can start reversing out of that monthly channel. Um, of course, that'd be kind of more long-term investing outlook, but I, I don't mind dirt cheap, off of Mitch. there. The stock, so with yeah. you on the technicals, the stock is dirt cheap. You ain't going to get anything cheaper. The only reason we'll keep saying it, the reason it's as cheap is the Taiwan situation, which has somewhat escalated in the last couple of days. So they're talk, starting to talk about it on CNBC. There's stuff happening over there here. It is still a major risk here for everything. Um, you know, good points here. I mean, Spinner was even making the point yesterday. You know, I worry about I don't want to buy these Chinese stocks because of the Taiwan situation. But, you know, if Taiwan gets invaded, everything's getting hammered. So, yeah. you know, but not going to get hammered as bad as China. So I, 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 I like Alibaba. I like the setup. I like everything about it. But I just don't know how to quantify that geopolitical risk. And I'll just keep saying that. And that's why I stay away. And that's what's obviously and, and I've stayed away for a long time, which has been a good call. I mean, I sold this thing. I had Alibaba in the long term portfolio for a long time, basically five years probably maybe not five years, but three or four years. I finally sold out of it at 240 and everybody was giving me heat saying like, you know, it's going to bounce back. It's going to come back. And then I had, a, I actually had a little piece. I sold the rest of it. I think at like 150 or 160. And that's where I really took the heat. And they're like, wow, you're doing it backwards. You're selling this thing now. 
Well, I mean, it's $93 here now. So it's been a great move to not be in that stock for the last couple of years. So, you know, is this the turnaround story? We've been trying to call Baba turnaround here for a long time. I mean, the media has been trying to call Baba turnaround for a long time. Maybe eventually that happens, but I think it happens when China says, when she says, hey, we're not invading Taiwan. If that happens, it's green light go on all China stocks. Until then, it's red light stop. Well, I wonder what you think about NIO. Let's get to their earnings as NIO faces a slightly tougher quarter, reporting a Q2 EPAS of a loss of 45 cents, missing the anticipated loss of 36 cents. Their sales of 1.21 billion also fell short of the expected 1.35. Despite challenges in vehicle deliveries, NIO remains optimistic about Q3, forecasting improved revenues and higher vehicle deliveries. Just throw them all in the same category. I mean, yeah, this is the China one, but Lucid came off back down to the lows. Rivian, we saw the big move in Rivian. It's come off six, seven dollars from the highs here now. Fisker has never got it going here. There's so many of these things, so many EV makers. Like XPV, maybe has been the best of breed. It's held up very well and done some good things. But Neo's come off. I don't know. Like, is there anybody that's really going to compete with Tesla? It's not going to be Vinfast. It's going to eventually come down here too when that story starts to cool off. But maybe you just got to like look, you're paying ridiculous valuations for all these things. If you want to pay ridiculous valuations, you might as well buy Tesla. Not saying to buy Tesla, I'm saying if you're in that camp of paying ridiculous valuations for stocks, I don't know why you would ever be buying VinFast at being worth more than Toyota. Or, or as much as Toyota and worth more than the big three combined. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> and you're not going to buy Tesla, which, you know, is not, it's it's making money. I mean, they've got it, you know, they've got lots of obviously potential revenue sources. They could grow into that valuation here eventually. But people want the hot money now. They're still out there. They're still going. They don't learn from their mistakes of the past that a hot story is fun to trade. You can stay in a hot story. But when the story cools off, you've got to make sure you're getting out quickly. And you kind of want to get out before the story cools off because when it cools off, these things come down very rapidly. I mean, look at those, you know, meme stocks from the last three years. Look at them all. And I mean, I don't know. They say AMC is not a meme stock. It's making new all-time lows. That's honestly unbelievable. Can you believe that, Joel? With all this talk of AMC, the stock is making new all-time lows. I can't even like believe that after all this, you know, after everything that it's done, you know, it's down 98% from the highs. So everyone now has lost money. If you bought that thing ever, when stocks making new all-time lows, it means everybody, if you're still holding it, you're down money. GameStop's down to $17. Is it going to continue to implode and go down? Yeah. It it's has, held up it, fairly well, but it's $17 too. So, I mean, it's still held up well. It came from like a dollar, so it's still there. But down from 120 is not fun. But then, you know, all the other ones, like even that short squeeze, oh, we're going to squeeze them, we're going to squeeze them. But in the end, the longs get squeezed. We know how these stories end. So same thing with FinFast. There's no float. Can't get a bar. If you can, it's 300%. So shorts aren't keeping it in check. Story's hot. It gets hot for a bit. By all means, if you want to trade it, trade it. But don't get stuck with it because when the, when the when the music ends, you don't want to be the one without the seat. Oh, the old mute button. 
He's still on. It happens. Yeah, He's got a keyboard or something. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Then you yell at me if I drink my water. You're like you're slurping into the microphone, and then I and then you guys are just like I was trying to decide. We talked about Neo, and you guys just got about six or seven stocks in there. So I just was like, what the hell am I talking about? Neo ten fifty was major major support. And now I'm calling it resistance. So if you get a pop, you got to get above 1050 and hold. Not much in here on the downside here. Under $10, there was a low at 979. All right, let's go to Big Lots. Managed, uh, Big Lots managed to beat expectations with Q2 adjusted EPS of a loss of $3.24, outperforming the predicted loss of $4.12. Oh, God. Their sales of $1.14 billion also exceeded the expectation of $1.1 billion. The company is showing resilience as they look ahead to Q3 and Q4, projecting improved sales. Holy, this is got to be one of the worst stories from Bliss. And if we go back six, seven years ago, Big Lots trading all-time high, $70, not even three years ago, $70 a share. And they have just ruined this company. <laughs> They've ruined it. They can't figure out Man. what they are anymore. I used to you know, say, you know, when I went there years ago, it was like the discount store, like the, you know, the, the box. And, you know, I say the aspen, the crush out, they give you discounts, you know, because, you know, stuff has been, you know, just, you know, bent, the box is bent on the, on the shelf or something like that. Now they've tried to upscale the stores, make them look a little bit nicer. And they don't know what they are. They don't know what they are. They are, are, are anymore. They've lost their way. Big lots is just a disaster. I think all rallies to be sold. It would not surprise me if this company is eventually bankrupt. It's a pop, and you got just over 740 here. It's like 741, so I use that as a level. Just a big down to such a down streak here in the stock. People are underwater. If it, I mean, and there's another pair of highs at 765. So first things first, take out that pre-market high. A lot of people stuck in this one. If you're looking to buy it, man, you got a long ways to go back to uh, the top of yesterday's range. Actually, it broke quite a losing streak yesterday. Of, uh, well, they've been lower than the open, but uh, make sure you take out that pre-market high and I wouldn't be a buyer until we got near the top of yesterday's range. So many better places for your money. It, exactly. Jam Smuckers, I need some jelly on it. Let's take a look. Uh, Jam Smuckers proves it's uh, metal posting a Q1 adjusted EPS of $2.21, surpassing the estimates of $2.04. However, their sales of $1.8 billion missed the anticipated $1.84 billion. Their outlook for full year 24 remains positive with expectations of growth in comparable net sales and adjusted EPS. Do we go to the value names? Is that what we're looking at now? This isn't a value name even is the problem. It's a that's consumer staple problem. that's defensive. And the consumer staples I've been arguing for a long time, better to be in cash than consumer staples. Nice pop, nice check back, major resistance at 150. Yeah. I just don't think this is like it's something you want to chase. Three bucks off the pre-market high. That is not a good sign. So if you're buying this up five bucks, well, you're getting your head handed to you. Uh, top of yesterday's range would be a potential buy area, 143.67. Uh, that's really about it. You're now you're so far ahead of the, the so far off the pre-market high. I think you even got to look at like if you get a pop into the 146 handle, I think you'd be lucky. 146.57 
was your August 15th high. S&Ps are leaking here, Dennis, just kind of trying to rally, but now we're in the red on the lows of the pre-market session. Well, if you guys are looking for a job, maybe Bath and Body Works is going to be on the radar as their holiday season is approaching and Bath and Body Works is preparing to hire 30,000 seasonal holiday sales association uh, associates. Um, of course, this is going to be opening up on August 29th. Could this continue the lift? BBWI, it's getting a, a little pop here in the pre-market. Did you say 30,000? Yeah, 30,000 seasonal holiday. What what for the for the that's a lot to hire for the Jewish holidays. <laughs> you know how it is, man. Uh they want to sell them candles. Uh, <laughs> I don't I'll let you guys run with this one. That I I, I I'll I'll go buying some go. candles, I'll tell you that much. Um I mean one thing that I could say is that remember this used to be the Lucky's brand, right? Um back in the days, this was the combined was this the combined I know, I know, Joe. You had this. This was not, not yeah. I know. I got this in one of these my portfolios. What the heck was the name of that? What stock was you that? had? You gonna get like Victoria's Secret from this? Yeah, was yeah. Secret stuff in there, and then it had it. No, L Brands. It was L Brands. L Brands. L Brands. L Brands. Yeah. yeah. And then go. they gave you Bath and Body Works. Yeah. This one came there and Victoria's Secret was that in there too? Exactly. Victoria's Secret. Yeah, that's gone pretty much nowhere since there. I mean, they haven't done well since that I, I that's for sure and i think that these companies are just at, at the point that they're what they're mall stores mall stores are not what you probably want to be a part of right now um if they can adjust to more of a direct to consumer base then maybe that could give them the lift but i think the writing's on the wall for a lot of these brick and mortars that are stuck in the malls Wow, women uh, must not be wearing underwear anymore. Look at this Victoria's Secret. Holy man. You, Dennis, you did say you were going to go on my account and sell this. I can't remember when it was. I should have lied. A long time ago. Where, I haven't yeah. looked at it. This is it. Retail is uh, just a disaster. Let's malls call it are what dying, it is. right? Amazon <laughs> has come and destroyed all these companies. And long term, that is what has happened. So, I mean, there is very few retailers, traditional mall-based brick and mortar retailers that are sitting up at all time highs, maybe except Dillard's because I don't know what Dillard's does. So they're, they're the one exception, maybe Abercrombie and Fitch. There's a few exceptions out there, but overall your Coles, your Macy's, your Nordstrom's, your Bath and Body Works, your Victoria's Secrets, whatever you pick your poison. These traditional mall based retailers, your foot lockers have been terrible investments yeah. for a very long time. Man, um, I think AEO and ANF never got the uh, retail memo because <laughs> holy crap, those things just look strong. And yeah. I have no idea why. Like, I really don't. I think even analysts are scratching their heads on those moves. They can't sell uh, everything. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess that's what it is, right? Uh, let's go to some upgrades, some notable upgrades and downgrades. Uh, let's go to cities. Uh, Citigroup coming out here with a couple of them upgrading Verizon communication to buy and raising price target to 40 and then also coming in for AT&T and upgrading them to buy and announcing a $17 price target. I know these are uh, interesting stocks to Joel. <laughs> Uh, and we know how Dennis feels it's about like AT&T. It's like the show today is like all, talks about all the stocks that I absolutely despise. Like <laughs> despise, somebody was I knew it. These guys are so <laughs> negative. 
I'm like, this show was just set up for me to hate every single one of these stocks. <laughs> We're talking like meme stocks, and we haven't even got to shoe carnival yet, but big lots, I despise it. I mean, and then you get, you know, know. AT and T and Verizon, which I've hated for a decade here now. Um Again, are they going to get a pop on this? Sure. They haven't had any analyst love. So let's give the bullish scenario. These stocks are massively oversold. They haven't had any love for a very long time. No analyst love. Like, I don't remember the last time 18. I don't remember either. To buy. So nope. is this going to get some headlines? Could this lift these things? Are they oversold? Is there a 7.7% dividend? All those things are good. The core businesses are under attack. The core businesses are under attack from streaming. I think long-term, AT&T and Verizon go lower. I think you could have their day. I think AT&T could see like 15 bucks again, maybe off of this. You know, maybe not today, but they're so oversold. But is there a long-term investable story here? I don't think so. Uh, just for the Verizon, you got a little pop over 34. And uh, so if you could hold 34 on a bid, uh Maybe some more upside here. Work your way into the 34 handle. AT&T, the, the ranges are so tight that you can hardly give any levels. I guess there was a pair of highs at uh, 14.35 and it's breaking out. But maybe, you know, maybe we'll just catch someone's fancy today, right? But not much else going on in the market. So uh, getting a little bit of a pop, halfway decent volume. So I guess if you you know if you're looking for things to buy, they're also a little bit defensive, and uh, we do have a a down market, just a slow leak here in the S and P's. Uh, now distancing ourselves from that closing price, uh, down yeah. eight handles, just leak, 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 leak. It's definitely yeah, uh, leak like Kaylee says, uh, we do this show, Dennis, just to troll you. That's what we do it for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they set right. me up here today. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now we're gonna talk. We talk. Now we're gonna talk. AT and T and Verizon. I'm like, holy. Well, let, let's take it to, to the, the one you just mentioned that you hate. They're the disaster stock of the day. Shoe Carnival. Uh, let's take a look here. Q2 EPS at 71 cents. Misses 84 cents estimate. Sales of 294.62 million beat the 286.35 million estimate. Compar comparable store sales were down 6.5%. They cut EPS guidance from $3.60 and $3.85 down to $3.10 and a high of $3.25. The consensus out there was $3.12. So um, looks like this carnival is shutting down. <laughs> so you got a funny man oh whatever i guess it's discount shoes if you want to go into there but i'm just not into retail no more pay less man <laughs> Let, let's just call though you got the the multi-year low here in 1924 so you got some really good support here and this actually coincides with the 1942 from 2022 <laughs> if you go farther back than that you got to go back into 2020 but 20 was old support the old resistance becomes new support you got good support down here in the 19 so the technicals actually you're at support with that being said they sell shoes retail strip malls shoe carnival that doesn't sound yeah, this, to me. I I, I know this is uh, really one that's not really on your radar, but I, I I mean, you know, you talk about your pre-earnings runs. Yeah. I mean, how about like what Foot Locker did? I mean, people just aren't buying shoes. I don't see how, you know. They're buying them online. 
They're not buying yeah. them from traditional retail stores. People are still wearing shoes. They were not ca- going back to the caveman where we run around barefoot outside, except unless you're my kids, because I yell at them all the time for running outside with no shoes on. Then they go, oh, my foot hurts. I'm like, well, you're <laughs> running around outside with no shoes on. But normal people are wearing shoes outside still. So they're still buying shoes. They're just buying them online. And the, the young teeny boppers, the YOLO, you know, whatever you want to call them, the millenniums, they all will buy stuff online. They're not scared to do it. I want to try the shoe on. I would still actually go into a store to try the shoe on, or I'd send my wife to go, and then she'd return it if it didn't fit. But in any regard here, they're not scared to buy clothing online, and that's not good for any of these brick-and-mortar retailers. Look at Skechers, man. I'd be like, oh, keep an eye on 48 and Skechers. Uh, that's at Crocs. Been- Crocs oh. is like best of breed. They actually did well in their quarter. And it's, it's 96 shoes, bucks. Shoes when, you're cold, killed, man. when you're doing well and they're knocking you down 30% after, I mean, Dennis, a, Dennis, a, a, you didn't hear about industry. the secret? The secret. They're just going to cut down on materials and cut down on spending, make more holes in the shoes. Uh-huh. Maybe that's going to work. I, I think the Crocs <laughs> is doing fine, but they just hate all shoemakers. They hate retail. Like there's oh, Abercrombie yeah, and Fetch and Delwards like and the other one, Urban, was doing pretty good. But majority of retailers, they just don't like. You know, the Best Buy, you know, it's, it's popping today. because It's all about decks, so man. Low. It's all about decks if you're in the shoes. Deck. Deck outdoors. That's actually been turning oh, that, around. Oh, you mean the, sh- the winter yeah, shoes? Yeah, they, that, they, the you, outdoor. They, yeah, they, Deckers they, outdoors? Yeah. Deckers yeah. outdoors, man. Pretty cool. um, Look at that monthly chart. <laughs> Those are the ones I want to be invested in. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, I wanted to ask you guys really quickly before we get to our guests. So you guys smash the like out there. We got Ryan Dietrich soon to come on. Uh, let's talk about 3M right quick. Of course, they finally reached the agreement to resolve the combat arm airplug litigation. Um, we've talked about this yesterday, but finally we have the number here. They will contribute a total amount of $6 billion between 2023 and 2029. The way this is structured under the agreement, it includes $5 billion in cash and $1 billion in 3M common stock. Um, just to mention, Wolf Research did come in today and upgrade 3M to peer perform. Um, but what do you guys think about 3M here? Wolf. Um Oh, we said it yesterday. If the settlement actually settles, that's really good news for the stock and could be a lot higher. I want to see the settlement actually go through, though. I don't want to see talks about a settlement or, you know, here's the proposals. I want to see it actually go through because we saw what happened Johnson Johnson. You know, they're proposing. Now it's all off the table. Now they got problems here again. This earplugs thing is holding the stock down. The stock is dirt cheap 3M from a from a fundamental basis, from a PE basis, whatever you want to look at. It is cheap. They're still a good company, but this earplugs thing has to get figured out. I'm not buying the stock until it is actually officially settled. It, it sold off yesterday, kind of reiterating the news again today. So mm-hmm. keep an eye. Never even traded over 106 yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. It traded over 106 in the pre-market, not in the regular session. So look for yesterday's high. If you could get it, 105.65, and then... You don't want to see it go unchanged here at 104.12. Yesterday's low, 102.59. Well, you guys have been hearing me say, show me the money. What about show me the numbers? Let's go ahead. Let's bring on our guest today. Ryan Dietrich from the Carson Group. 
better known? Does anyone else call you Statman Do besides me? I think you're the only one, but I like it. We can we can go with that. It's good. It's good. There <laughs> we go. All right. So bring us in here. People say we're being too negative, talking about all these crappy stocks and everything. There are some good ones out there. You got to have some stats for me for August because I can't remember a month where we've only had, even in the down months, only two two-day winning streaks and not one three-day winning streak. Yeah, those are, uh, it's amazing. You know, I mean, I, and actually I don't quite have those numbers, so maybe Statman do failed you, but you're right. I mean, it's been a long time since we've gone a month without just two updates in a row. Now, fortunately, we do have two updates. Now, I did bring some charts. Let's see here if I can figure this out, guys. Give me one second. Present. Yep. Uh, share screen. We're getting there. See, I got a new computer. I did something not too smart last week. I poured an entire glass of water on my old laptop. Oh, and no. um, that's one way to help the economy, I discovered. But I do have a new, <laughs> new computer now. Hopefully, you guys see that. That look familiar? All right, we yeah, good? we got you, my friend. All right. Yeah. So anyway, so, you know, I, I said you've seen this before. I think I've, I've come on with you guys for a long time now. And I think I've started with this every time. And believe yeah. me, I understand there's a lot of other things to pay attention to. But it's fascinating at how this is played out. It's the four-year presidential cycle based on quarters. Um, and the last couple quarters were some of the strongest. We were up 7%, 7%, 8% on the S&P. Sure enough, here's the third quarter of a, of a, the pre, of a pre-election year. Not all that great. And that's what's happening. Now, you mentioned August. And I, one of the things I've come on with you guys you know, all year saying, listen, we're bullish, we're bullish, we're bullish. About a month ago, we started to see some of those long-term bears kind of throw up the white towel, kind of mm -hmm. say, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry. Like, you know, Mike Wilson, some of these people saying they're sorry. I said, oh, that's not, that's interesting. So we started talking about, hey, be open to the idea of some volatility and downside action. Because when you're up at least 17.5% for the year going into the normally weak month of August, Mm. SP's only been higher three out of 11 times with some really big drops. Now, I know the month isn't over yet, but you know, you could say that's kind of playing out once again. And then, as, as everybody's going to talk about, September is not all that great either. So, we're in this time frame where it made sense to us with some of the over the top excitement that people finally, finally had that it could be time for a break and consolidation. That's perfectly fine. That's where we are right now. And that's a good chart. You'll hear some other ones. I, I maybe shared some of these before, but you know, when you're up 10% for the year, the first half, what tends to happen right now is the upper left, you consolidate date around now when you have a big january i think that's the one on the bottom right yeah a big january in the bottom right you tend to consolidate now i mean these are just some little little clues maybe that we saw that um you know hey we've had a great run but it'd be normal. Yeah. Now, the other thing I want people to know is it's normal, I think, um, for after this consolidation to kind of work your way higher. We don't see any reason to expect that we're not going to break out to do highs later this year. We've just kind of got to get through this um the seasonally weak periods, we catch our breath. And here are some of the, you know, over-the-top bullishness, run with the bull. We had, um, you know, Morgan Stanley, a strategist, and now it's like 2019. This is like, you know, a month ago or so. Um, you know, the, the uh, Bank of America, Merrill, or what's it called? It's Bank of America. I don't think Merrill Lynch is in there anymore. Global Fund Manager Survey. Bottom line, a lot of people were skeptical. Then they started to become more bullish. And sure enough, just like that, the calendar changed, and, and we've had some of the um, – the issues now one of the other things is just these overhead resistance level i've got semiconductors there i've got uh housing 
and what else in technology you know they they were at some logical areas probably to take a little bit of a break these are some of the big leaders we know that big parts of the market so now here we are and again it just makes sense we're taking a break do we expect these to eventually give way to new highs yes we do but we might need a little more time right before we can uh before we can get there now here's the s p 500 chart i've been using 4300 the peak last august 4328 the lows of june a lot of reasons we don't think we're going to go below that. We think we're just kind of caught in this frustrating choppy range. So some support there at the bottom. I've got a 10-day put-to-call ratio of equity, equity put-to-call ratio, highest we've been this year. So again, some finally some skepticism coming in. The AAI sentiment poll, more bears and bulls for the first time in 12 months. The NAAIM uh, survey of active investment managers, they are the least bullish they've been all year, and they were wildly bullish four weeks ago. So again, all these things kind of added up to <laughs> maybe it is time for a little break. Now, volatility is normal. I'm a market strategist. I like to point these things out. You tend to see, even some of the best years, guys, have seen 10% pullbacks during the year. I mean, that's something to remember. You, you have about three separate 5% corrections a year. You have a 10%er once a year on average, right? And you have a, what is it, almost 7, 3% dips a year. And I believe me, these are averages. I'm aware some years are different. But just the idea that we've had an 8% correction earlier this year when the re regional bank crisis was going on, and now close to a 5%er, I don't think we quite got there recently. It just made sense that you know, some volatility is perfectly, perfectly normal. Um, one quick one uh up five months in a row on the s&p eventually you're gonna have a down month it's probably gonna be this month but you see here what happens a year later higher most of the time up what is that uh 12 and a half percent on average even higher on a median so after that blast of strength we've seen we're still overweight equities i came into this year over at equities talked to you guys a lot about that why we were there we still are there we think we're actually actively talking about adding a little bit of equity risk risk right here you know i mean on this pullback on this five percenter we've seen because we don't think it's gonna be much more than that and the one before i did skip it we can touch it very quickly Credit markets, triple B spreads, triple B spreads are not blowing out. If the monster was under the bed, I just think we'd see more stress in the credit markets. We're seeing junk and high yield outperform treasuries, outperform investment grade. Hey, you know, we've had a big pullback in tech, a pullback overall, but the credit markets are not necessarily worried, which again is a positive thing. I'll go very quickly on this. We'll bust some myths very quickly. Um, these aren't necessarily trading charts as big picture things i think for people to think about again i am a strategist um household debt to incomes actually been going lower all we hear about is all this debt all this debt all this debt well incomes actually been increasing more than household debt over the last year i don't think a lot of people realize that mm. china 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 is going to sell all our debt china is going to you know all these issues with china china's going to slow down what does it mean for the u.s but you can see on the left here um, as a percent of gdp imports we don't import nearly what we once did from china our take is this we are not nearly as impacted by china as we once were um and the next one here on the right is what i want to show you how much of our foreign debt uh is owned china owned over 20 percent of what is that uh 2014 now japan is the largest holder of our debt and china owns about half as much debt as they did so you hear on tv china's just going to sell our debt They've sold a lot of our debt relative to other people, or maybe other people added more debt, what I should say. But I think that's an important concept that people aren't talking about. The one on the left here, vehicle manufacturing. Here all the time about these manufacturing surveys, right? ISM survey, PMI surveys. They're saying one thing, but then you look at the real hard data. We're creating as many vehicles on an annualized basis right now as we were pre-COVID, okay? So that's something I don't think a lot of people realize. We're opening up supply chains. Things are coming in. And then the last, I think it's the last chart, and I went pretty fast, I know, but, you know, so I do it. This is um, what's going on with high-tech equipment, okay? I mean, we are seeing, that. You, yes, you could say it's the CHIPS Act and some different things going on, but manufacturing is really soaring, up 7% year-to-date production for medium-heavy 
trucks up 14% year-to-date, and aerospace production up 4% year-to-date. If all you looked at was the soft data, you think we're in this massive manufacturing recession. We're simply not when you look at some of the other factors that are out there. So, yeah, there we go. That's that's what I – there we go. I went pretty fast, as I always do. But I'll, I'll take a breath, and let's talk a little bit. What do you guys think? Okay, after getting your six-minute presentation, which was awesome, by the way, I want to buy the dip now. What, <laughs> what sectors? So you were saying you kind of would be adding equities, so we know you don't like talking individual stocks. But what sectors here, Ryan, would you be focused on? Yeah. Buying well, the dip. Great. Yeah, I mean, we, again, as I kind of hinted at there prior to the end, we don't see a recession. We were one of the few places that came into this year saying, hey, stocks are going to have a good year and we're going to avoid a recession. People are coming around to that. So we still think your cyclical value and your small caps. I know small caps have pulled back recently. Don't have the chart of it. But, you know, I mean, small caps, I, Russell, too, for instance. I mean, kind of stair-stepping higher. That relative strength relative to versus large caps is still above a long-term trend line. So we think small caps make sense. People just seem to hate them. We like mid-caps as well. Then the cyclical areas. We like energy, right? I know you guys talk a lot about energy. A lot of people probably come on this program talk about energy. Energy makes up, what is it, 4% of the S&P? Energy stocks would go straight up and it wouldn't really matter because of energy and comms kind of go sideways we're more neutral there they wouldn't do as well so we really like energy industrials materials smaller parts well that's industrials aren't such a small part but materials energy are clearly a small part that honestly won't move the needle when it comes to the market but those are some of the areas we are overweight and looking to potentially even add a little bit more um that's how we see things ryan dietrich from the carson group joining us here on pre-market prep all right, so I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench in your analysis here, okay? So all those stats and all those things that you've looked at uh, going over the years, and there were some time periods, um, there weren't other alternatives to the market. Mm -hmm. now, now the Tina trade is dead. I mean, you're talking about adding some equities or doing things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some real headwinds in the market as far as where people don't have to be in the market. Can you identify some time periods where you know the Tina trade's been dead and the and the market is still absorbed uh, inflows. Yeah, I mean, well, great question there. I mean, you know, I guess we're talking about five percent in the money market, right? You can go put put money in a money market and do just fine. I mean, ten year yields up over four percent, give or take, wherever it is right now. I mean, let's not forget in the late nineties. We had higher trending yields. We had an economy that could grow in the face of that. We obviously had a really good um, bull market then. So that's one time that jumps out, I guess, off the top of off the top of right now. And again, that was a period where the Fed was hiking in the mid 90s and they stopped hiking um and then the late 90s got a little wild i'm fully aware we're not predicting another late 90s scenario but though that was that was one time that um i think things things really did kind of play out a little bit and i work with a really smart guy named sonu varghese he's our chief uh, equity or what is he? he's our chief macro strategist sorry sonu not knowing your title um but nonetheless he's been saying this is there are some similarities with the mid to late 90s what we're seeing right now it's kind of what the fed is doing and kind of what rates are doing and you know we're not saying it's going to be a, a blow off top like that, but there, there, there's some reasons to still remain overweight equities in our opinion. And we've been underweight bonds. I mean, we've been underweight bonds all year, right? And a lot of people are saying, oh, we kind of like international. We said, ah, we're not so sure there are emerging markets. So emerging markets are cheap. We've been heavily overweight United States relative to the rest of the world, underweight fixed income, overweight stocks. And we just, we think that's, that's been the way to, looking back, it's been a nice way to be so far this year, but we still think that's still the way to go. Of course, uh, we've had some really good performance in the first half of the stock market. And I'm wondering, is that the peak for the year or is there potential factors that could, you know, drive us even greater in the second half here, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, we we think 
we don't think the peak is in. I want to be clear there. We we do think you know eventually say October by October November we'll probably break out the new highs, which you tend to see. And I think I'm going to use the F word. That's okay. Fundamentals. Um, you know, if you look at just earnings, right? We know we're in the. You guys had a great discussion. I mean, believe me, this retailer thing. These retailers are just getting hammered yet again. Then you look at the online sales. You look at Walmart had to say. Look at Lowe's had to say. There are some retailers that had some positive things to say. So it's 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 very it's very very unique. But I mean, the the, the truth again is. There's these different factors. You know, I just went blank. What'd you ask me? I'm sorry. I started talking. What, what'd you ask? I was gonna go, oh, oh, I do that sorry, all the time. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> performance, performance second route. half. Yeah, I mean, but yes, we, we think that we will eventually break out to new highs. We think, again, earnings where I was going with this. That's where I was going with it, earnings. Uh, if you look at earnings expectations, right, they're up 2% from the start of earnings season. Earnings season is like over. So S&P 500 earnings expectations have actually gone higher. Maybe what companies had to say about the past wasn't that great, but what they've had to say about the future has been solid. And I understand, well, they're not always that great looking 12 months out. I'm not going to totally disagree there. But again, we're seeing higher trending 12-month earnings expectations going higher than most people people wildly expected this time three, four months ago. So if earnings continue to come in better than expected, those credit markets remain nice and calm, no major monster under the bed. Those are still things to say, you know, this has been a dip um, that, that's shaken out some of the weak hands. And, and once we get through, you know, say September or so, we wouldn't be shocked at all if the fourth quarter was pretty solid. What would you avoid? What would you absolutely run from right now? Mm -hmm. Well... You say Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football. Because oh. <laughs> no. we're getting shots fired. No, boop, 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 boop. no, no, no. Um, we haven't liked for a while the more defensive areas, right? Your utilities, um, your oh, staples. Boy. I mean, some of those we we haven't liked them for a while, and they're still they're still they're still they're still relatively weak in our opinion. So I'm not saying we're running from them. We we have them in our models that we run, but we've been underweight those those more defensive areas. We still think a more of a cyclical small cap is is the tilt that we have and that's kind of the um the place that we are. Who's going to be the starting quarterback for Ohio State? You know, that's a great question. We could talk on this all day, but everyone thought it'd be Kyle McCord because he's the guy that's been there for a while. And the fact that they have not announced a starter yet, the fact they're looking at doing a platoon really makes you think that the younger guy, Brown, uh, might be the one to take it. So we'll see. Although McCord, again, don't need to spend too much time on this. McCord was a high school quarterback for um, Marvin Harris, Mar uh, Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. So, you know, that's there's some connection there. But, you know, hey, it is what that, it is. We'll see. That, yeah. There's one guy that scares me in Ohio State, and that, that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Unbelievable. Yeah. I give him credit where credit's due. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ryan yeah. Dietrich, Carson Group, the longtime guest on the show. And I just want to add that um, uh, when Jason's been on the show, he talks about like when he listens to interviews, he plays them in like triple speed. With your interview, he doesn't have to play it in triple speed. Yeah, because I'm trying to you're, help. Yeah. You're already there. Man, we appreciate you so much. And uh, maybe we'll get you in Ann Arbor this year for that Michigan-Ohio State game. Oof. I don't know. It sounds cold up there. I might watch it in the confines of my house. You guys would be mean to me up there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it'll, it'll be uh, fun. Yeah. It is exciting, though, isn't it? I mean, college football started. But Notre Dame already played and USC played. But, yeah, pretty exciting time of the year. And once we get through it, maybe markets will continue to go up, up a little bit, too. So it'll be, it'll be fun the rest of the year, I think. I'll tell you my Ohio State story oh, yeah. when I when I went to Columbus, but I'll have to do it off the air. Ryan Dietrich, Carson <laughs> Group, you. joining us on pre-market prep. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the markets. Let's take a look at <laughs> what's going on there. And man, that uh, Ryan Dietrich, I, I gotta say uh, that presentation <laughs> that was. I don't know it's if he brought in the Ryan the Dietrich AI. It's it, because that was him like, and Cameron. Does he even breathe there? I was like, man. <laughs> 
He killed He's it fast. there. So he I would gives definitely me a run for sure. Talking like fast. the chat said, rewind that and watch that all over again. If you he didn't made me bullish. get all it, right. Hey, oh, Dennis, you heard me on. bullish. Dennis, you that is at nine forty three. You could be like super bearish again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all would, know how that works. Would, would you stop with that choppy market? We go down. We look we like we're going to start in the red. Uh, forty four thirty three fifty. Now we're eight handles off this. I think you just have to uh, just be prepared today. You know, range trading is what it's looking like right now. I will say Best Buy is caught a bid here. And uh, now it's up over two bucks here. So might get a look at that. Remember the target day. though? And the target that day will open like 120. Yeah. Ran wow. up to 135. And we then held on that. for four days before breaking. So don't think it has to break right away. Don't Today. Think like these things. I just think when you look at this two weeks from now, I think it probably gives it back. Okay, last one I wanted to cover was an upgrade on Oracle. It came from UBS, upgraded Oracle to buy and raising their price target to 140. This has been looking pretty well. Even though when tech has come yeah. down, this has gone sideways here. Now getting the lift, especially with this analyst note, and just keep pushing. It was the I think this was the first ever stock that I long-term invested in. Like I opened up my registered <laughs> retirement savings uh, plan in Canada back in like the year like 2000 so like 23 years ago and i'm pretty sure oracle was maybe not the first but one of the first stocks that i ever like i was already trading but with the intention of like never selling and believe it when i first started it's a funny story when i first started that long-term investing account i was like i'm never gonna sell any stock out of this account ever and my first like five years six years i never sold any stocks out of that account and a lot of them grew really well. And then the financial crisis happened. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm never doing that again, man. I'm never just holding on forever. Because I watched that account grow and grow from like 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. I watched that account grow and grow and grow. And I'm like, this is the way to do it, long-term growth. And then 2008 happened and the S&P and people don't know this, fell 66% from the highs. It fell 60, or it's 62, I think it is. The S&P, so not, you know, some stock. The S&P fell 62%. And I watched that account that grew for that seven years go red. And I'm like, this is just ridiculous, you know? And then I'm like, you got to take the gains while you got them. You can see, you know, the, the huge sell-off there. And thank goodness I actually did buy some stuff during 2009, 2010, 2011. And those obviously worked out to be very good buying opportunities. But I mean, it, it, it kind of taught me that just buy and hold. Maybe it taught me the wrong thing. And maybe if that would have never happened, I'd still have, you know, some of these stocks that I, I bought from 25 years ago. But man, it really ticks you off when you see account build for seven years and then go red. That's what the financial crisis was all about. Okay, let's start doing our wrap up here. How do you see the markets? Uh, let's go first. They're, to... they're talking VFS. Um, oh, oh man. Do we it's, really it's... need to? <laughs> yeah, because it's fun. So I don't it think got it's fun. I don't trade this yesterday. thing, man. Come on, guys. You don't want to talk this stock? We can forget it. Uh, no, we got it. They're all talking. They talk like it, but... it. This is my thing. This is my thing. I just want everyone to remember just as much as this can go up in percentage, it can come down in percentage oh, yeah. also. Let's do it so right I, now. I, I want some traders to remember that um, if they're playing with this. This is one of those that I feel like is a percentage chase 
um, retail just trying to chase that percentage gain. Just be careful with that. Ah, uh, wow. What do you say on the levels, Joel? Joel, you see you're here? not going to call on VFS, or are you taking a pass? No, no. I'll give you. I'll give you one number. Okay. The all-time closing high, sixty-eight seventy-seven, is uh half. It's uh a well, half higher than that. Yesterday, eighty-two. Yeah, well, that that's where it's going. It's going to trade there this morning. I don't know for sure that it's going to trade there this morning, but it's down ten and a half dollars. So that would be the first place that I would consider putting a bid out there if I was short, not to go long. TLT. Any, any comments, Dennis, on that? <laughs> yeah, he asked uh, us no, for Captain. So TLT. <laughs> oh, 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 you don't care, fine. though. <laughs> I, I just Joel? brought up because the chat wanted to talk. You, you see this, Joel? <laughs> the Vietnamese automaker. Oh, man. I'm not investing in it, sorry. And All I'm scared right, to trade it. It's, I'm not investing in it. I'm scared to trade it. We'll say that. I'm even scared. to. It's got me scared to trade that. You know, I'll trade anything, but I'm scared to trade that stock. TLT uh, and the bonds have... Clear resistance. So this is TLT is a much better vehicle. Uh, mm -hmm. Look at that. You got clear resistance in your offit here at 95 and a half. And the bonds got that too. So until you get through 95 and a half, man, still pressure on the TLT and the bonds. All right, Dennis, your last outlook for the market. Um, Chop. I think you're going to see chop. And I'm not chasing moves here. I'm just kind of, you know, going, you know, a, a little bit of, you know, short-term contrarian where we're seeing moves, you know, not maybe on the new stocks, but moves that are down. Maybe you're buying a little bit for day trades off if you can find some supports and resistance. But I think you're going for two, three percenters. I don't think you're sitting around here trying to make a 10, 15 percent move here in the next week unless you're trading an earning stock. But if you're staying just, you know, with the overall market here, I think expect the chop. Don't chase. This is not the week to chase stocks. Uh, for me, I'm just looking if the S&Ps could like go unchanged and hold unchanged at 42 and a quarter. We still have a chance for our first uh, three-day winning streak since uh, late July. All right, team. Uh, Joe, who will we have on tomorrow? Eric Kroll. Uh, he is a life cycle trader. We've had a little bit going on in IPO land. So we'll talk about uh, VFS with him and uh, the other IPOs are out there. Get a look at uh, some of the ones from earlier in the year. So he's another one up there of the uh, super prepared guest is uh, Eric Cole from the life cycle. Love it. That's going to do it for us on pre-market prep. Like always, stay tuned here for more on Benzinga. You guys can keep up with Joel O'Connor Dennis Dick at Spoose at Triple D Trader. Give him a follow on Twitter. Now going to wrap up the show and let you guys know all about the Raz Report with Kathy Wood. You don't want to miss that. That's going to come tomorrow, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it, team. have a very strong point of view about what's going to happen to interest rates. For every dollar in hardware that uh, artificial intelligence uh, causes to be spent, there will be somewhere between eight and $21 in software. Uh, well, we think uh, Cybertruck is going to expand the truck market.